What's up, guys? Welcome back to the XU Podcast, episode 74. Live from the Upper West Side, I am here with my brother Max from his apartment. He just cooked me a nice little dinner, and we're now four or five days removed from our first show at Brooklyn Steel in a couple years. We saw Lay Youth this past weekend on Saturday on his About Us tour, and uh, it was a show that I think we obviously were excited about because Lay Youth is in both of the top of our artists and you know people we listen to. Uh, but it was also great to get back to a new venue and, and just see the show. So a couple days removed. I've been posting about you know videos I got at the concert on Instagram and Twitter. Max, good to have you on the pod. The last time you were on the pod Thanks, was yeah. uh, February 17th of 2022. So we're over a year and a half from, that was episode 17 um, of the XU podcast. So we're here at was 74. That the, was that the Porter show review? Yeah, we talked about nice. feeling alive and, and uh, Porter Robinson that was coming off of his show with Jai Wolf. The Nurture Tour at Brooklyn Mirage. One of, one of the yeah. better shows that we've seen. Yeah. Um, that was what, two, that was October 2022? That was, that was around J- February, I believe. Right, right. It was winter of 2022. Um, now over a year and a half later, we're back on the podcast. Max and I and a group of friends, like I said, got to see Lay Youth and Massane. It was my first time, both of our first times ever seeing a Lay Youth headlining show, which is how you need to see an artist in their full um, aura. And if you really want to be able to see them, seeing them as an opener is one thing. Catching them at their own headlining show is a whole other world. So first off, I wanted to start with getting back to Brooklyn Steel. You and I saw a show four years ago at this point. Griffin. Gr- Griffin. Griffin. On his Gravity Tour, right. which was an amazing show. And it seems like Brooklyn Steel kind of went away for us in terms of dance music shows in the past four years since that. I think Brooklyn Steel might be the most underappreciated dance venue in New York City. I completely agree. Like, I think that venue has everything you're kind of looking for without the bullshit that usually comes with dance shows in New York City, especially Brooklyn. Yeah, and I think this past year, for you, Nick, and I, who's our other brother, and a lot of our friends who we usually go to shows with, is obviously it comes with age. It comes with kind of growing out of being able to do the 5 a.m. nights, but we pick and choose our shows a lot more now based on the venue and the artist. And it's not like, okay, if somebody relevant to who we like and listen to is in town, we're going to go see them regardless. We really look at, okay, is this venue worth going to? Is this night worth having a night out for? And I think we're just more selective with the shows. So I was super stoked it wasn't at Elsewhere, which is where we've hit a lot of the This Never Happened crew as they've come through the past year and a half. Yeah, I think what it, I think what it made me realize is I don't, I don't know if I ever need to go back to Elsewhere. Yeah. Ever again. (laughs) (laughs) I think Brooklyn Steel is like a nice intermediary point between elsewhere or like more of a club situation than say like a true headlining venue or an arena. Um, Obviously Brooklyn Mirage has had its own slew of issues over the last couple months, but I thought Brooklyn, I thought it was a great venue, man. I want to go back to more shows there. And I think also a point that I like immediately recognized was a, it reminded me of house of blues in Boston. Um, and it had been four years since we had been there at that Griffin show and heading into this show, 
I was excited because I remember it being a more true venue with high ceilings and, you know, balconies and, and more space where, again, a lot of the shows we've been to for artists that we love, Jero, Ocula, Le Youth, Sultan and Shepard, a lot of these guys, I know Shalu just recently played it elsewhere. And it's one of those, you don't realize what you got until you witness something else. Yeah. And much like Forest Hills being a venue that we love and, and have grown to love in, in uh, Queens, getting to Brooklyn Steel and being like, this is where I want to see my favorite artist play, not in the basement of Elsewhere or, you know. And by the way, another factor with Elsewhere, going back to what I was saying earlier, is the 2 a.m. starts that they have for some of their DJs. Yes. Elsewhere feels like you're in some sort of cave. Like, and, it, and headliners don't typically go on until like 2, 2.30 you're not getting back till 5 a.m. It's just it, it's kind of grungy, man. I I don't know. I think elsewhere is like not a great venue. <laughs> and it's like I said, it's it's one thing to go from Marquee, which I'm never going back to in Manhattan. I don't care who's playing there. I'll never go back to Marquee. And really, all the Manhattan clubs are not ideal to see a show in. Um, elsewhere was a venue where I liked it because my favorite artists were playing there. Ocula came through there. Sultan and Shepard play there. Jero played there. They have all these great artists that would come through. And they also have the rooftop, which I've yet to experience. But the awesome thing about this Layu show was getting back to a venue with like the true feel of going to a concert, walking in, having the merch and the jet, you know, the coat check and having the bar when you first walk in and you get through security and then you go into the actual venue and it opens up into this big room and you felt like you were at a concert where you go when you when you go to elsewhere you don't necessarily get that I'm at a concert feeling. Yeah, Brooklyn Steel just has space. It just has like you feel like you're almost it, it has like a little bit of a warehouse feel. Mm -hmm. Super high ceilings, never felt crowded. Never felt too crowded. Yep. Um it has that great bar like right out, right inside on the left-hand side and then you just go in. It's super simple. Um I just felt like there was space at that show. Yeah. Like it never it never felt too Elsewhere, you're you're crammed in there, and then at Brooklyn Mirage, especially in the summer, like you ca sometimes can barely even move, mm -hmm. um, which totally detracts from seeing a show. Yeah, I mean, I talked about it last week. If you're at a concert and you have bad vibes, people pushing you, you're you feel like you're sardined into the crowd, you keep, don't have any space to move around. Your friends and you are getting separated. You can't really focus on what you're about to experience until you remedy that. And that's either going way to the back to try to find space, getting a good view of the stage. And at, at Brooklyn Steel, we never had that problem. Now, they did. Again, we saw Griffin there in 2019. I'm not sure if they've had dance music there in the past couple of years. I feel like we would have known more about shows that came through there. But I do know they're starting to introduce more dance shows to the, you know, through Brooklyn Steel, which is exciting. We obviously saw Lay Youth with Massane opening. Sultan and Shepard just announced their new album tour, which is coming through Brooklyn Steel, which is going to be a must hit for us. Um, they have Trivecta playing there. Tourist and Amtrak are playing at Brooklyn Steel yep, later next month. Um, so I'm hoping that the, the great thing about Brooklyn Steel is for artists like we we're mentioning Lay Youth, Sultan and Shepard, Amtrak. Shalu, um, you know, these artists that aren't necessarily at the Brooklyn Mirage level, whether it be because of the genre and style of music they play, or they're just not that, you know, not at that popularity level of being able to sell out a Brooklyn Mirage show. 
Would I love to see Sultan and Shepard headline the Brooklyn Mirage? Of course. But if they can't do that, I am more than happy seeing them at a packed Brooklyn Steel show because I think you still get that headlining feel right. of this is going to be a sick concert. Yeah, it feels like an actual headlining show or elsewhere or like any other club. You feel like that artist is like doing a set at that venue as opposed to playing a show at that venue. Mm-hmm. And um, it felt like Light Youth was playing a show at Brooklyn Steel. Yeah. Now, kind of moving into the show, this was something we were pumped about because Lay Youth was my number two artist of the year, technically my number one electronic artist of the year because Blink-182 took my, my top spot as the artist. So they were my number, he was my number two. I've loved Lay Youth for as long as I've loved This Never Happened and Lane 8, maybe even longer. I remember some songs in college that I, I came across when he was making more poppier stuff. Um, so heading into the show, this was one that I was like, all right, I will be going to this show. No doubt. It was his About Us tour. He had just released the album, uh, which was amazing, coming off of his last album, Reminders. His music and him as an artist, when you look at This Never Happened, which everybody knows this podcast is a big fan of, um, he's in the, he's in the, it's Lane 8, Sultan and Shepard, and Lay Youth. And then everyone else. And then everybody else. Yeah. And to see this show come through, it was one that I think we needed to hit. Completely agree. Um, I don't know. I think you could argue Le Youth is like also one of the more underappreciated artists in dance music. Mm-hmm. His catalog is ridiculously good, ridiculously consistent. Um, kind of has that Lane A melodic house thread running through it, but in a way, I don't know. There, there are Le Youth songs that I would put at like the absolute top of my of my dance music rankings. Yeah, and I, again, I think when you look at This Never Happened, one of the reasons we love them is because there are so many good artists, but it's pretty clear that it's Lane 8, Lay Youth, and Sultan and Shepard as, like, I think the... The three-headed dragon. The three-headed <laughs> dragon. And honestly, sometimes Lay Youth and Sultan and Shepard, both respectively, I think could take that top spot for me in a, in relation to Lane 8. I'm not saying they're never not at that level. Well, and their best songs collectively are when they remix each other's songs. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So you have this kind of um, incestual is not the right word because that's kind of, uh, you know, they kind of feed off of each other. And when you see, oh, Jero and Layuth are coming out with the track. Sultan and Shepard and Lane 8 are remixing this track. That's what makes the label so great is they're constantly dipping their toes into each other's music, songs, sounds, bringing their own kind of touch to it. Um, so it goes without saying, of course, you know, we were, we were pumped for this show. Now, I want to give Masain a shout out. I have seen Masain twice, um, once opening for Lane 8 at Forest Hills, once opening for Embers at uh, Bijou in Boston, which was an interesting show. Both of those artists are awesome, too. Um, this was awesome because it was the most energy I've ever seen Masain give to a show. A lot of times I've seen him, he has his guitar, which is an unreal twist that you get when you have, whenever you see a DJ, they bring out an electric guitar and they're doing something live. It adds that extra bonus into it. But I thought the 360 setup for the pre-show and the opener really fell in Masain's favor. I thought he, he was, he was yeah. into it. He was really getting that crowd hyped up. And for those that don't know, this whole tour that Lay Youth has done has been a about us 360 kind of immersive experience where instead of being 
your typical DJ Dex up on the main stage. He's in the crowd. He's got people all around him, and he's interacting with the crowd. So Masane kind of started it off playing, you know, some of the biggest songs. I mean, And We Knew It Was Our Time is one of the biggest songs in the This Never Happened catalog. Um, and I was super impressed with just his stage presence and his, like, excitement and energy that he had brought based off past times I've seen him. Um, so what were your th overall thoughts? Because I think first I want to start off with the About Us idea and the 360 idea because this podcast, yes, we're biased. I obviously praise this never happened, but I, I wouldn't be doing my due diligence if I didn't talk about how there was a lot of mummers and talks of lay youth and this kind of immersive approach that he takes to shows where he's hugging the crowd he's he's getting he's leaving the decks he's not on stage he's in the crowd which i think is you can look at it from a couple different ways yeah i think i think the only knock on lay youth after seeing him live is like he has a little bit of a weird stage presence is the only way to describe it. And I think that I, I've, I couldn't help but feel like that was just like a little distracting. Like he's kind of, he's kind of like jerky up there. You know what I mean? And like, he, I, I think he spends a lot of time kind of like going into the crowd and putting his hands around people's faces and like singing the lyrics with them. And it, it for me, that, that, that took me out of the feeling of watching a performance like a little bit, mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, I also think he could have benefited from like a massive production. Yeah. Which I get what he was going for, like the club intimate vibe, but he wasn't playing a venue that required that. Yeah. Um, which again, I'm just, I'm nitpicking. I thought it was an amazing show, but it's just like, I kind of wish he had just chilled behind the decks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think again, this was something that had been talked about in the This Never Happened Reddit, the Lane 8 Reddit. People were talking about kind of lay use approach to, performing and i think there's a couple there's positives and negatives to both of it right on one hand he's doing something different which is i think anytime somebody's doing something different and they're not it's not your typical led screen big production he's up on their stage he's also not talking much which is a which is i think a bonus for him like it's one thing if he is going into the crowd and he's hugging people in the crowd and let's face it if we were front row and he was coming into the crowd yelling these lyrics we would have been in we would have been yeah. on the over the moon i agree that it is a little distracting and part of me wishes he was kind of just you know a uh, traditional style of presenting his music um but it's what he does especially for this tour whether he keeps it up after will be interesting to kind of watch um, but at the end of the day, his music is so good and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. He backs it up with every one of his songs, his sound, his approach to songwriting, his albums have been consistently amazing. So if it's what he wants to do, it's, it's what he wants to do. Um, but yeah, I think that's definitely a fair take from the, this never happened crowd for people who are kind of like, Hey, we'd rather you just stay on stage and not jump around and, you know, pound your chest and everything. And again, I'm saying this with Layuth is my number two artist. He's like my favorite, you know, one of my favorites, but you know, I understand that criticism from, from some people. I did, I did too, but it, it, he played an amazing set. Yeah. He played an amazing set. Um, I think overall, like, I don't know what more we could have asked for. It was basically every big song in his catalog consistently, 
Um, with the exception, though, of it, he left off a ton of new album songs, which I think was, and I, we'll, we'll knock him first before we dig into what we loved about it, but I was really surprised that he, I mean, this was his headlining album tour, right? Like yes. it, it would be about us tour. I think he played three songs from, the, from his album in full, three or four. He played only a couple original tracks from his new album. He played some remixes, um, and I think that's a fair knock. It, it, Le Youth is an interesting artist where he hasn't, I personally haven't seen him on his own headlining tour. So I was okay with kind of just getting the, the shuffle of all of his, you know, all of his hits and all of the good remixes. And right. yes, I love his new album. I wish he did play a couple more original tracks from it. At the same time though, I think, he has this huge catalog of amazing music and he doesn't get as much chances as a guy like lane eight does to go out and play like just the new album. And even when you see lane eight, he'll play, you know, he'll play some of the older tracks and the classics. And when you have this many good songs, it's like, well, you know, kind of take your pick. I do think he gave a decent amount of nods to lane eight and even some other members on the, this never happened, you know, team with playing their songs I would have substituted maybe one or two of those Lane 8 tracks for one of his own. But that's nitpicking, of course. I didn't mind that, actually. I thought the songs that he, the, the songs he played by other artists were, like, excellently selected. Mm -hmm. He played Nobody Else by Prana, which I was so thrilled. I was so excited to hear that. Yep. Woman. Woman in Full by Lane 8. Little Mushroom That Got Away. <laughs> yeah. At the end. Yeah. Um, so I thought his set had a great flow to it the entire time, and it kept you on your toes a little bit. Um, that's actually a point I, I want to touch on, because a lot of criticism for a guy like Lay Youth that I see is that his mixing is terrible, he's awful live, he, he's bad transitions. I think anyone who is nitpicking DJs for bad transitions or bad level, mixing... Who the fuck cares, man? The show was awesome. <laughs> And if there's a stutter in a song, I didn't notice. There wasn't a point where I was like, man, that was an awful transition. If you're focusing on that, you're not there for the right reasons, I don't think. And obviously, some people are into that stuff. But I, think I, I thought it was yeah. great transition work and, and that it was, you know, all top to bottom, an awesome two-hour set. I think it's funny how people go see concerts and all of a sudden become, like, armchair experts in production and the way that somebody is mixing. And, yeah, maybe you have, like somewhat of a technical understanding of that but you're really paying attention to that shit yeah the transitions between tracks the flow of the show i mean i guess like were there any moments that felt disjointed not not that i remember yeah and like part of it is when they do mess up like i saw they posted his full set from dc or austin which on youtube and i was watching it and there's a moment where he hits the pause button by accident has to restart it but like those moments when he's in the crowd hugging people and and singing the lyrics with people it's like very real and just like in the moment so do you want just a perfectly recorded top to bottom yes yeah, some transitions need to work better i thought song selection was great i will say he opened with i will leave a light on which as great as it was because that song is so good you can't open with that track that song I don't think is an opening track. It's too big. That, yeah, that, that song is. That song deserves a late second half slot. 
if not as a closer. That's his biggest song of the last couple of months, maybe one of the biggest songs in dance music in the last couple of months. And it was almost like anticlimactic, anticlimactic that he opened with it. We, we were almost like, oh, okay, here we go. He's, he, <laughs> yeah. he's playing, we're right off the bat, which is always fun in the moment. Again, I'm not, I'm not hating on it. Um, he just didn't need to drop that song there. Yes. And there was, but I think, again, he played, I think going to a concert when you know 90% of the music that's being played, it's awesome. When every song is one of your favorite songs, with an, and those don't come around a lot because those artists, like, you know, again, for me, it's a lot. It's guys you like Soul. You only get a couple of those. Yeah, and, and for Lay Youth, I love all of his songs. I've always loved all of his songs. So every song he played, I recognized. I was like, okay, here we go. I had an awesome moment when he played his Rope remix. Yeah, that's great. I was just kind of by myself. I didn't take a video of it. I just allowed myself to just groove to it. <laughs> yeah. And these songs, you know, Lay Youth is, and I, I said this, you know, his music lives with me in, all, in my entire days, in running, in cooking, when I'm in the shower, when I'm working, I am, I know these songs so well and they're such a big part. They're like the soundtrack to my life. And to be able to get to kind of just experience that finally at like a deserving show. And I loved how he told them to turn the music up and he wanted more bass and he wanted more kick drums. And yeah, he threw know. down. He, he absolutely yeah. threw down. No he, doubt. And the, the, again, the venue itself we had a great visual of and Brooklyn Steel, if you haven't been, is great because you have the back area, which is kind of elevated. You obviously have the balconies that go around. So if you're not trying to be stuck in the, you know, middle of the pit, sardined in, we had plenty of space in the back. It was a packed show. Um, you know, he, I, I believe he sold it out. Started at 11 o'clock for his set. He was done at one, two hours. That's kind of like, he, kind of what that's you're what you're for. looking for. Right. And any later than that, 12 to 2 is okay, I think. After 12, if you're... And I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. I, I just think the 2 a.m. start, the 1.30 start for a set time, which elsewhere tends to do, it's kind of out of my interest range these days. Right. And, you know, you kind of just... You hope that you get a... When your favorite artist comes to town, I think the one knock with dance music sometimes is if your favorite artist is the DJ, you're not going to get a concert like you would at Madison square garden or even, you know, even a smaller venue like Webster hall or, you know, Oh, I want to go see this band. Cause I love them. I want to go see this DJ cause I love their music. But a lot of times it turns into, Oh, well I want to go see this DJ cause I love their music, but they're being a DJ more than an artist and they're playing right. a club set and their set starts at two 30 in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, and you're ruined for the next four or five days. I mean, it's unsustainable. Um, all to say, though, I think the show, anytime we get to see a, a This Never Happened artist come through town, which they're doing later in January, I believe, or, or next year, This Never Happened is sending out like their underlings almost. And I say underlings not in a you know derogatory the up way. And comers, the yeah. up and comers. I think like Ashiba's coming to New York with another artist, Other Wish, which is their new artist they've been rolling out, and then they have a hidden. But it's kind of an interesting they're do thing they're doing. You don't see the Lane Eights, the Sultan and Shepherds, the Jaros, the Lay Youth. It's kind of like their new faces that they're rolling out. And I trust them. It's like these shows, like if it's a this never happened event, I'm there. Um, that was another thing I wanted to say too. I saw a lot of comments about the videos I posted. 
I know Dancing Astronaut was there. He posted a lot of videos, and people were saying how there wasn't a lot of people on the phones. Now, this wasn't a show where they took your phone and put it in a pouch. It was just a standard show, but I think it is cool how the this never happened kind of aura of shows does translate into the Sultan and Shepherd shows, the Layu shows, the Jero shows. You don't see everybody on their phone, you know, kind of capturing the moment. They're kind of just living it. Totally. And it's just, it's feel good music, I think. Like, it's, I think, I think this would have been a great show to take someone to who hasn't ever really experienced dance music. Yeah. It's hard not, it's hard not to at least appreciate Melodic House to a certain extent. I, th I think, and I've been saying this, I think Melodic House is like the progressive house. The same, the same things that are touching your brain and tickling your brain in progressive house are the same things that are tickling your brain in Melodic House. How would you, descri how would you describe Melodic House to someone who's uninitiated? I think it's the same way I would, I would describe Progressive House. And like when I talk in Progressive House, I think I'm talking buildups, repetitive buildups that are leading to a drop, which is like a lot of dance music, obviously, but it's like very catchy. and It's a slower build. Slower, slower build and obviously sometimes it's a little more chiller or you know relaxed vibe but at the same time you listen to a song like i will leave the light on that song is a progressive house song it's a massive build up to this moment and yeah. it's the Release. same thing as uh you know starlight by martin garrix or you know fade into darkness it's the same thing over and over again adding layers each time around um, and yeah, I mean, the, the whole set was great. It was one of those shows that we knew the music, we knew the artist. He was one of our favorites and, um, being at a new venue definitely added to it, um, as well. So Sultan and Shepard there, uh, in March is going to be quite, quite the show. That's going to be big. A must, yeah, that'll be a must hit. What, it, what is your, what is your favorite La Youth song? Would you say? It's so hard. Cause I do have a couple, um, for a while it was underwater. Which is which he didn't play, but it's one of my favorites. It's definitely one of his more chiller vibes. Recognizable song. Waves, know. which he did play, is huge. Always has been for me. I've always loved that song. The Ocular remix of it is also incredible. And then I would also say Colors has had like this year. I loved it when it came out. And then the past couple months, I've just been loving Colors or Color which is, if you listen to it, he hits it like, he hits that last go around like four or five times at the end. It's a great outro to his song. I think he uh, mashed it up with If Only. And one song we talked about, and, and this is what's great about these artists is you listen to their music so much that you find songs and then they kind of lose them in the shuffle and then they come back. And one of those that we had a moment to was uh, the Jero Lay Youth uh, mashup or uh, collab Lost which is an amazing track. An amazing track, especially when you hear it live for the first time, because that's been one of those songs that came out, and like I liked it mm -hmm. for a little while, but I, I was like, all right, this is, this is whatever. Like This yeah. sounds like it, but then hearing it live, that song is so much bigger live. Yeah. You can appreciate like the nuance of it so much more live. Yeah, and that song, for me, again, it's interesting. I loved it when it came out. I'm a huge Jero fan, as everyone knows. That was an exciting collab. I got Lay Youth and Jero on the same track. It was like unlocking a new Pokemon card or something. <laughs> Loved it. And then 
you know, I kind of, you know, found more music and that kind of got lost in the shuffle. But the past couple of months, I had been listening to Lost more and more, just loving it and being stoked on it. And they play it a lot on like Sirius XM Chill. And it's one of those tracks that, yeah, when you hear it live, it, it kind of reinvigorates your love for it and kind of lets you see it in a new way. And there's nothing better than leaving a concert, you know, and then the next morning when you're at work or you're on a run, you're pulling up the songs that kind of stood out or, you know, whatever it was for, for you at the show. Lost has a similar drop of nobody else. Yeah. It's almost like that, like the anti-drop. It's yeah. like the big, heavy, three-note bass. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like but a... It, but it's made to be experienced live. Like, it, it's so much bigger. Yeah. All in all, takeaways from Saturday's show was... This Never Happened is still the best, and just everything they do, I will continue to follow. And now, you know, it's funny. We're going on, like, I'm going on really four years of being a massive This Never Happened fan. And between all of them being some of my favorite artists, releasing consistent music, Lane 8's mixes, consistently putting out albums, consistently going on tours, collabing with each other, trying new sounds, kind of just, you know continuing to build their craft it's impressive that you know it's four years now in the making and i i don't see it stopping and and it's such an awesome label to be a fan of I, yeah i agree and i think i don't know if it'll ever be mainstream and i'm, yeah. I'm like okay with that it, it's kind of its own sound um which i think is like somewhat of a niche sound mm -hmm. it's not something everyone goes nuts for it's tough, too, because Melodic House, whatever you want to call it, whatever This Never Happened is, or Nora Impure, or, you know, Tin Liquor sometimes, those artists, it's, it, it's like, is it popular? Because it's like, obviously, there's a huge following for all those artists, but then you look, compared to the Diplos, or even, like, the Martin Garrixes, or, you know, some of the, even when you look at Ultra. I think Ultra, I went last year, and I was thinking during the show on Saturday how much Ultra would benefit from a stage that was dedicated, not to This Never Happened or Melodic House, but to a more down-tempo, more, you know, I say beautiful. It's obviously in the eye of, like, you know, whoever's listening to it. But I think, you know, I think Ultra is, I went for three days. It was a lot of the same shit. And I think you would benefit a lot from having a stage where you could go check out Lay Youth and maybe Goldfish is playing, and, oh, this is awesome. We got Nora Impure, and I know she's p playing Ultra next year, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great genre, and it's something that another year down, and it's still at the top of my list. My my top five artists this year, or I should say top four, not including Blink-182, was Sultan and Shepard, Lane 8, Lay Youth, and Jero, I believe. So it's like, you know, for the, oh, for the three, three years in a row now. I, and I just think like dance music, it's almost, you almost can't consider it this like monolithic genre anymore. Like where in, in what, like 2014, it was like, are you a fan of dance music? And that meant that if you were, it, it was all encompassing. Whereas now these genres are like taking on a life of their own. Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of frustrating that so many of these festivals still have like the same fucking headliners that have been headlining for 12 years now. Yeah. It, it's like, an, it's like a, it's like an industry that has a tough time evolving, I think, and like giving oxygen to new sounds and new up, up and coming artists.
which is strange to me. Like I, I, I wish yeah. there was more of that. Yeah, I completely agree. And and like, I don't need to see I don't need to see calling by Alesso as a closing song at Ultra from or, somebody who's not Alesso. Yeah, or <laughs> Tomorrowland for like the fourteenth year in a row. Yeah. And again, I think it's all the mainstream dance music is and will continue to be for better or for worse, kind of like the 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 common ground between a lot of the genres. Because like, you know, a lot of people, they're into, you know, the, what are you not, you're going to say you don't like Griffin or you don't like Alesso or Martin Garrix. Like, yes, yeah, some people obviously hate those artists, all three, but for the world we're in, it's, okay, that's you. that's kind of like the common ground that everybody can go back to. But then do you go to Above and Beyond? Do you go to Lane 8? Do you go to Tin Liquor? Are you a fan of the John Summit and Dom Dalla, Tech House, Fisher Wave? Like, you know, you, you it is kind of cool that that was the base of it and that like everything kind of spread from there. And that is kind of the genesis of what America technically knows like dance music as and I think, you know, it is evolving. You know, it's tough to see things evolve as they're evolving. Right. But I, I completely agree with you. And, you know, hey, I, I would love more, you know, more Lane 8, more Sultan and Shepard, Nora Impure, you know, Shalu, Ocula, those kind of guys at a festival like Ultra. But maybe Ultra is not the one you need to go to. Maybe you need to go to Electric Forest or some of these other venues that, you know, or festivals that are kind of promoting, you know, different sounds and genres. And I, I think it's I think it's it doesn't need to be bigger than it is. Yeah. I think sometimes there's like as a fan, you like want your artist to continue to gain popularity and like, you know, play bigger stages and bigger rooms. But I, I think there's like a level of acceptance of like this it doesn't have to be a stadium. It doesn't have to be an arena. Like Yeah. And it's it's one of those things too. It's like, well, the reason I want Lay Youth or Sultan and Shepherd to play Brooklyn Mirage is because this music is so fucking good that like people need to know how good this music is. Like, and I know they like Martin Garrix and I know they like Kygo or whoever it is. Like, they're gonna like, trust me, this, like, there's a reason I listen to it nonstop. And obviously, music is, you know, subjected to everyone's personal taste. But, you know, this never happened. Also, like, you saw Lane 8 go to Forest Hills. Now, hopefully, you're going to see the trend. You have Sultan and Shepard coming to Brooklyn Steel, so Brooklyn Steel might be a new venue. And it's always changing. It's always what venue's next. What's the next place people are going to play? You got Eric Pritz doing Brooklyn warehouse raves on Thanksgiving that are, like, blowing people's minds. So it's, it's interesting to kind of track where your artists are at, where they're playing. And I think it's a good thing that it seems that a lot of, you know, hopefully for, again, artists that we've mentioned, they've kind of deviating from elsewhere in some sense because i do think elsewhere is not best fit for the artist and their type of sound i, I, I think else, elsewhere is going to a club and watching a dj in residence play a set mm -hmm. i don't think i don't think going to elsewhere is really going to a show um but i i, I do think uh i think lay youth could have could have benefited from bigger production like he didn't really have an led screen there wasn't like sometimes the best part or not the best part but like what what really adds to the experience is when you have like digital art or, or kind of performance art behind the the decks that's kind of dovetailing with the music in a way that makes it a a sum that's like larger than its its parts. It also tells you more about the artists that right. you love so much. Right. 
you know, oh, I love this artist's what music. What stylistic decisions? What what type of colors and moods and and visuals are they associating with a certain song? It's I mean, it's why Hollow for you is probably insane because you're watching like an you know like an astronaut break out of jail during a fucking Eric Pritz song, <laughs> and it, it adds to the intensity of it. I don't know. Yeah, totally. Well, it was a it was I think it was a promising show heading into 2024. Um, we had kind of hit a, and myself included, I talked about this on the last podcast where, you know, I stopped going to just every and any show that came in through town and I was more selective with the artists and venues and shows that I wanted to hit. So it's promising. Again, that Sultan and Shepherd show is the next one circled in pen. Um, you know, that one's not going, we will be at that. That's on your birthday and, uh, more shows to come in 2024. When this is out, there'll be a new Sultan and Shepherd single out. So this is like kind of like turning into a This Never Happened podcast. And obviously I'm, I'm vocal about my love for them, but yeah. Um, Max, thanks for coming on, man. This is a good time. Yeah, it was an awesome show. It was an awesome show. All right, guys. XU Podcast, episode 74. Recap and lay youth at the Brooklyn Steel. It is about us tour. Had an awesome time. Had an epic time. We'll be back next week for more, uh, for more shows and more podcasts.